We are going on tour. The Glamorous Trash Podcast and my book tour have collabed and we're coming to a city near you. Click the link in the show notes to to get all of the deets. We're coming to New York City on June 4th. We are kicking off an event with Jon Stewart. No big deal. That's our very first show in New York City. Then we're coming to Washington, D.C., Nashville, Chicago, Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So get your tickets now. We are doing three different events because, you know, I'm always doing the most. That's just on brand, right? First, there's a glamorous trash party. It's the podcast meets the book tour meets Coachella, a live show featuring podcast segments, book segments, a very special guest. And of course, there's a runway walk at the end for people to show off their fits because the dress code to every event is obviously glamorous trash. We are also doing a cookie country club. It's the anti-country club country club. And it's very dreamy. You get like a bunch of products. There's little events. And it's a more intimate event where you meet other cookies and listen to a book chat with what me and another special guest. And then the final event, the Behind the Bangs Writing Workshop. I finally did it, put it together, put together this workshop because I wrote this book in many ways for younger me. And younger me would not have gotten off her couch unless there was also a workshop being taught. I wanted the gyms. I wanted I wanted the knowledge. I wanted the education. That's what I would have wanted. So I've decided I'm doing it. And in the workshop is going to be the six writing gyms that took me forever to learn. 15 years. In my 15-year career as a TV writer and author and blah, 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 all the other things I've written, there are six things that I always use, and all of those are in this workshop. So if you have an interest in writing, sign up. All the ticket links are live today. Click the show notes. Click my Instagram. We are coming to a city near you, and there's going to be some meet and greets. I'll sign some copies of books. We'll give out more books, and I have uh, some pieces of merch that I'm taking on the road, and I'm going to give them out at the shows. Welcome to Celebrity Book Club. This is a podcast that recaps and celebrates the memoirs of badass female celebrities who have been torn down by tabloids, dissected by social media, and faced heartaches and triumphs and come out of it all even stronger. I'm your host, Chelsea Devantes. I am a writer, comedian, and filmmaker. And this week, we are book clubbing two different books from Kim Cattrall. Kim wrote two how-to books, two how-to books. One is titled Being a Girl, written in 2006, and it is about how to navigate teenage life. And the other is titled Satisfaction, about an entirely different topic. Uh, That is a book about how to have better sex. And that is written in 2001 with her then husband. He was her co-author. So these are not classic memoirs. They are very much how-to books. So we'll be discussing things that are in the book, but also a bunch of things that she didn't put in the book. And by the end of the podcast, will you know how to orgasm like Samantha on Sex in the City? I hope so, but it won't come from this podcast. That'll just have to be something you brought to it yourself. Now, when we get going, make sure to say, Samantha Jones, you are one hot piece of ass. I could fuck you all night long, Samantha Jones. How are you going to get this around? Kind of be our bro. I know exactly whose hands to drop this into. That was a clip from a very famous Sex in the City scene. But before we dive into all of that, I want to introduce my guest, 
Kulap Vlasak. Hi, Kulap. Hi. Kulap is an actress, comedian, writer, showrunner, director. She's done so many things. You will recognize her from so many shows. She created and was the showrunner of the series Bajillion Dollar Properties. She co-hosted Who Charted on Earwolf, and now she hosts the podcast Add to Cart with Suchin Pak about our relationship with consumerism. And my relationship with consumerism is that every time your Instagram account posts a product, I go and buy it. That's now what (laughs) happens to me. I buy all your recommendations and I love them. Yay. Oh my God. I can't wait to hear all that you've bought. Um, You you have great taste. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I certainly now have, of course, purchased more things. But you know what? It's not just about buying things. It's how how we define ourselves. (laughs) Buy yeah. those purchases. Um, I also want to talk about her documentary, Origin Story, which is about Kulap's journey to find her real dad after she accidentally found out her father was not her biological father. I sobbed throughout this movie. As you know, I ended up sending you an email afterwards. I didn't even know you that well. But I was like, I just need you to know that this really spoke to me. Um, it's very funny because in this podcast, I've actually spoken a lot about not knowing who my real dad is and how painful that is. But before this podcast, I almost never shared the pain, uh, how painful it is outside of my close friends. I would do comedy about it, but I wouldn't I wouldn't open up the pain. It was too raw. It has a lot of family stuff that I had to keep private. And after I saw your documentary, I put a little toe in the water, and when I posted on Instagram, I put this little tiny thing in the corner being like, this really speaks to how painful this is. And and it was kind of my first, like, um, you can share your pain with strangers. So oh, thank you for wow. that. Oh, my God. That's so huge. And your show. And oh, my goodness. I'm okay. That's. That's amazing. I, di- I didn't realize that. That's- well, thank you. And please tell everyone right now where they can find your documentary. Well, you can find it streaming everywhere. Uh, you know, Amazon, Apple, uh, Voodoo, Tubi. Everywhere okay, the- Voodoo and Tubi. Oh, yeah. I don't mean to brag. Uh, and also, this isn't a brag everywhere but Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, and then now it is available uh, a, a Blu-ray. So if That's you so if cool. you want if you like to to hold your films, now you can get that <laughs> almost everywhere online. That's so cool. I love that. Well, go check it out. Um, I introduce all my guests with the story of how we first met. And oh boy, <laughs> this is how I remember it. But you p- pitch in. Um, we were at a women's only industry hang and we were in line at the bar it was the beginning of the event and you and I were in line and um I know where this is going yeah (laughs) we I knew of you through friends but I had never met you and I think I was like hey I, I I know you through my friends and I don't remember what we talked about but I remember we were laughing so hard that we were kind of crying and then you were like I have to buy you a drink right now and then you just bought me this very nice gin and tonic and and that and walked away and I was like this was the nicest way I've ever met someone. <laughs> okay, that's great. I remember. I I remembered that I was like, and then I ordered for you, and then I was like, um, I'll have a Hennessy on the rocks, and you were oh. like, okay. <laughs> I 
do remember that. <laughs> You're like, okay, now uh, those like those uh, videos that I've seen Tawny Newsom post make all of the sense. That is so. Actually, now that I remember, I think you got a double Hennessy on the rocks. <laughs> uh, who? What was happening? I, that I day? don't know. I don't know, but it was one p.m. and that feels important. I I think I met you before though. Oh, tell me. Did I we? think I met you before in New York. And it was a brief meeting uh, because I was visiting Tim Baltz yes. uh, on the show that you wrote on. I Yeah, I didn't think you would remember that. Yes, That's of so course. Funny. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, yeah, we did meet. We, you came into the opposition, right? I did. I did. That's so funny. Well, that's really special because you definitely met maybe 50 people at once. So the fact that you remember that makes me feel very special. Unless you remembered all 50, but don't tell me. Mm, no. <laughs> okay. Okay, no. good. Um, <laughs> great. Um, well, great. Both great meetings. And I wish both of them involved Hennessy, but only one did. Only one. Um, so, Kulab, what made you pick Kim Cattrall's books to cover? I... I don't, I think maybe it was all of the hullabaloo and who's, I've never used that term, uh, <laughs> about Sex in the City coming back. It was perfect timing. But yeah. yes. Yeah, the trailer, um, you chose this a while ago and now the trailer for Sex in the City is dropping and, and that Kim is not in the third movie, which we're going to dive the fuck into. Great. Um, so it was great choice. Um so these are not traditional memoirs. They are how-to books, which I I still, um, like Delta Burke, her book is a how-to book and it's one of my favorite memoirs. So I, I believe there are memoirs hidden in how-to books. Um, 100% in these, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I do think she comes through in them, but it, I, she's written three self-help books. There's a third book also about sex. It's more of like a companion guide to a documentary she did. Hmm. But... It really makes you wonder, like, I feel like people write self-help books, celebrities in particular. They're either a cash grab or a deep desire to help people in ways you didn't get. And throughout these books, I couldn't really tell what the motivation was to to write this particular type of book. Yeah, I felt like people want I, I it, to me is like people probably have pictured a right a, a, a true autobiography and I think she just doesn't want to. Yeah. That, that was the vibe I got. Yes. She's like, but I'll do this. Especially with being a girl. Yes, like, the, the teen book. Yeah. Yeah. That one had more of her life in it. I agree. She feels very reticent and maybe like it's hard to share for her in interviews too. Um, and the teen book seemed to come from a really beautiful place. The sex book uh, I, I mean, also beautiful, but in a I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that book. She has strong auntie energy, you know, (laughs) like, like that auntie and (laughs) energy for both, for both books where it's like, auntie, I just am picking you up to go to the airport. I don't need to know all of this. Listen, the the rim of the dick is the most important part (laughs) to focus on. You're like, okay. Um, Yeah, that is a great way to put it. Um, And I, you know, to... To write a, a sex book with drawings, there's a ton of, of um, specific illustrations. You do have to really want to do that. Like, I think there was a better cash grab out there. And instead, she did that book with her then husband. So that probably was a very sincere, like, I should help people come I mean, better. The the drawings in both books are very interesting. Questionable. Question, both. The, 
illustrations. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. I actually, I wonder, um, the, I couldn't find the illustrator for the Kim book, but I wonder if it's the same dude. Not good. <laughs> Not good, you guys. <laughs> um, so I was thinking we should start with the How to Be a Girl Teen book. Okay. And okay. then we can, you know, get through puberty and then read the sex book and just start coming. So that then that can be the arc of our The crescendo podcast. at the end. I get it. Yes. yes the crescendo at the yeah. end. <laughs> Um, and then plan. we can just kind of snooze away. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to read the very first page of the teen book. It's How to Be a Girl, written in 2006, and it's very 2006. So this is the end of the foreword. Most of us aren't Samantha Jones, including me. What she has learned and knows is a lot different from what you or I know and has to do with individual experience, but it also has to do with asking questions and knowing what to do with the answers. As Samantha, I've been lucky to have you come to me with your questions. As Kim, I'd like to help you find the answers. And then at the end of the first page, self-esteem is more than just feeling good about yourself. It's the glue that holds you together when things get uncomfortable or tough. It's a way for you to learn from your mistakes and to trust your gut when it's time to make a decision. Building self-esteem is a process that is never really finished. The key word is self. It's got to come from you. When I think about what has kept me going, two thoughts come to mind. Believe in yourself and you are not alone. I think that's really nice. I liked both of those. I like both of those. Just for people to have context, written in 2006, she wrote it at the age of 50. Now, yeah, even at the time, if I was, I'm just trying to think, if I was a teen in 2006, would I care? <laughs> what? <laughs> Kim Cattrall had to say, do you think, I mean, that the whole book, I'm thinking that. Yeah. Like, you know, I think I would have loved this book, but I love, I love weird shit like this, but I think the shitty parts in this book would have fucked me up. <laughs> like I would have um, absorbed them. Like when she lists her weight and yes. says like, well, I'm no model. And then she lists a weight of a baby, of a, of a small object, you know, I, I would yeah. have read that. And she was like, you, you know, I'm five seven, so this is what I weigh. I would have looked at that and said, you know, I know she just wrote a chapter on don't have an eating disorder, but it seems like yeah. it's my only choice. Like she has listed a weight here that I could never achieve. And yeah. I would have felt bad. She says like, well, that's heavier than a model. I'm like, but you're still bragging. And also I'm 40 and I haven't stopped thinking about it since I read it. <laughs> So I yeah. can't imagine I when I was 13 how I would oh be my God. then because I was yeah. yeah it's also speaking of the illustrations so it's trying to show a range of women in the book but it seems like you can either be a size zero or a size six but you're tall <laughs> and that's kind of the range yeah. of body types and range of there's no real other and they're they seem to be mostly white women i i i couldn't tell um again the illustrator yes much like uh sex, sex in the in city, the city. <laughs> <laughs> hey up <laughs> great point and yeah it's like who is the quote-unquote non uh perfect body on sex in the city like it doesn't exist it's it's again <laughs> yeah. like you're a little tall um yeah, so that so that would have wrecked me for sure. But I would have yeah. loved the parts about like how to design your apartment and the self-esteem part I thought was really great and the I, stuff I about agree. friends. Yeah. And even stuff about sleep. I'm like, you're right. Teens should know this. 
Yes, she gives an exercise on how to fall asleep. And I was reading the book having just taken a heavy sleeping pill. I've I I've run the gamut in quarantine. I'm now on the heaviest stuff you can find. It's not good. And I was reading this book being like, maybe I should just try this exercise. And before I could, the sleeping pill hit. Let me read the description. Um, if anyone listening wants to try it, here's the sleeping exercise. My most tried and true method of getting to sleep when I'm all pumped up is to start at the top of my head and move all the way down to my toes, slowly tensing and then releasing my muscles and taking deep, long breaths at the same time. I usually drop off before I even get to my knees. It's like checking in with all the parts of your body and shutting them down one after the other. So I don't know if it works, but it might. Did you try it? I I mean, maybe, you know, maybe both worked <laughs> in <Yeah>. your case. <laughs> I yeah. haven't tried it. And I do have bouts of like quarantine insomnia. So I, I will try it going forward. Okay. Um, well, you can report back. And I know we're about to get into it. But do you think there's something because she got her big break when she was 17 and that's why she wants to write this book. And that's why it has to be this, a book about being a teen, because her, and I know you're going to get into it, but her 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 life is different than other teenagers. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. She moves to New York City at 16 alone to make it as an actor, which I, I love, that was probably my favorite part of the book. And, and even though I went to New York City uh, for college, which is different, it's, it's, I was still felt terrified and alone, and that city kicked my ass. So I loved her her part where she shares a journal entry where she's like, I'm a very depressed, sad person. <laughs> yes. and, um, and I was like, your journals should meet my teen journals. <laughs> they'd be friends. Um, <laughs> they'd be but, journal friends. <laughs> they'd be journal friends. Um, they'd write a lot of poetry together. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And then in the book, she names, like, when she's 17, this director is like, you're fat. I've already cast you in my movie, but you're fat and you should lose weight. And so that obviously really messed her up. And so, yeah, she really must have needed that guidance. And her family, she loves her family, but they, her dad, this was so weird. Her When she's moving to New York City, her dad is like, <laughs> you have to get a perm. And she says, why, yes, Dad? I don't yes. want a perm. He says, you have to get a perm because you are representing the family and Canada. And Canada. <laughs> and I, I, I can't. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, what? What? <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, her family is from. And I always forget that her yeah, family's yeah, from Yeah, and England. they were immigrants to Canada, right? Yeah. Yes. So, yes. And yeah. So you are this this coiled perm is going to make you rep Canada is the really, truly one of the and funniest I, things. I've, it, I, it really yeah. made me laugh and so a part hard. Of you was like, did he feel like curls would represent or was he like <laughs> your hair sucks? Maybe a perm will help you need to represent. He has some but, uh, actress in mind that has curly hair, oh, and like that's yeah. the form of having a nice suit. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta get a nice and dressing perm. the part. Um, <laughs> Shirley Temple was his is, favorite actress. <laughs> Shirley Temple made it with curls, kid. Yeah, and uh, it, you know she doesn't have a lot of detail in the book. She's just like he made me get this perm, and then I moved to New York City when I was sixteen. <laughs> But doesn't that also like that says something right about her gr growing up, about her, about her life, about her family? Like there was speaking of dads, um, like when 
Gosh, I'm trying to find it. Oh, oh, right here it is. I don't want you to cover your bases. I want you to reach for your dreams. And that's her dad uh, when she was considering taking a type typing instead of going into drama in high school. And I was like, damn, I'm jealous of your of your relationship with your dad. <laughs> I felt sadness for myself. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Uh, I this is how this is how sad I am. When I was a teenager at Barnes and Noble, you know they have those little um, books at the front. Like yes. kind of like little gifty kitsch books. Yes. There was a book called um, 101 Lessons Every Daughter, Every Father Teaches His Daughter. And I bought it and I was like, I'll read this book and then I'll know. Oh, all the my God. And um, oh, yeah, I was no, like, oh, my heart. <laughs> I know it's so sad. <laughs> but I was like, I need, I need these lessons. Like, what are they? Um, and so. That book probably formed a lot of my personality. Um, but yeah, it, it's cool that he, he he really supported her, also made her get a, a perm. And then also she kind of says he made her compete with her sisters. And in his childhood, competition was healthy. It helped him become the person he was. But in her childhood, it's she and her sister kind of at war with each other and not feeling good about herself. Not so good. Yeah, not so good. That makes you think it could be a little dark. And she grew up... Um, she she doesn't specifically describe how she grew up except to say there were always one bill away from uh, being out of money, being poor, which is how most of um, America is, too. I, I feel like people um, gloss over. There's some statistic of like 40 percent of Americans are four hundred dollars away from being homeless. She described like they got a plot of land and her dad would just be slowly building up their home. And yeah. for them constantly, like, I think same thing. He had like basically a Franken car that he would just like build up like a kit car, but like not to build a rice rocket, just to have a car. <laughs> yeah. And that there was like car so. parts all over her yard and like house parts all over her yard, which she doesn't say it in the book, but that's probably a source of embarrassment if you, you know, if you go to a school where kids have houses, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, it does yeah. seem like she had a lot of hardship in her life, but she doesn't really talk about it. Um, Except uh, you you get, I mean, she really is clear that her parents' divorce shook her. Yes, it really, really shook her. And there's not a lot in the book. So I think the fact that she included that says like that it just really impacted her really hard. Um, but then flip the page. She moves on to style. There's a really great style quote from Gore Vidal that I thought was fantastic. She has a bunch of quotes throughout the book. His is, style is knowing who you are, what you want to say, and not giving a damn. I love that. Yes. Um, yes. Knowing who you are and, and what you want to say, like via your clothes, love that, and not giving a damn, the most important part. Um, I, and I really think that her, I mean, she starts with self-esteem and that's like, that really is the core of this book, which I really, really appreciate. And then, you know, from there to talking about, you know, friendships and to talking about dating, to talking about how you dress, the, the, the real through line is just like the love of self, your self-esteem, which I, I really, I, I think, again, if I got this as a teen, I'd go, why am I reading this? But I am getting stuff from it. <laughs> Because I, I feel that way now. <laughs> I mean, it is, and it, it, it there are, in my head, I was like, well, okay, like, there is some, like, really good, interesting stuff in here that I think would be important for teens now to read, but, like, could this be updated 
like, could this be rebooted? Like, if they were, like, modernized a little bit with better fonts and illustrations? But I, no, I guess no, I, I think it's a no. moment in time. It's like, a moment in time. It should not be revisited. <laughs> I mean, there's makeup tips about how you have to match your lipstick to your outfit. Yeah. Absolutely not. There's. It's also very heteronormative. It's like, when you have a crush very. on a boy, when boys like you, there's no room to not be a girl, to, to not be a girl who likes boys. But what if that was part of the update? But the thing is, like, no matter how it was, they'd be the same photos of Kim Cattrall. So I guess not. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's the other thing. So in her third book, which I, I skimmed through, the photos she uses in being a girl are reused in the third book. Um, like no. exact like her intro photo in the green dress is the same photo in the third book. It's like, OK, I will ask for new photos. You know, that's Wait. a low bar. We can't do we can't do a shoot just for the for the it, book for the book yeah exactly we can't like, put that in the budge <laughs> come on put that in the budge um so the friendship stuff I thought okay. was the best yeah it, and yes of course I read all of it through the lens of the feud with Sarah Jessica Parker yes me too and before we get into the feud I want to talk a little bit about why I want to dive so hard into it because one quote that Sarah Jessica Parker said when they were shooting was how come reporters don't go to the, go ask the sopranos you know if these two dudes are infighting like they're constantly coming at me and Kim and the press does that they love two women to hate each other they make it up sometimes sometimes it's out of nowhere it's very toxic and Sarah and Kim throughout this are like, there's no feud. There's no feud when they're shooting. However, it is now confirmed there absolutely was a feud. Um, Kim has said, like, I hate your guts. I was never friends with you. So I'm fascinated and want to talk about it because I love female friendships. Specifically, female friendships are just like my lifeblood. They're everything to me, which means I've also lost friends. I've had to remove toxic friends who I still mourn. And... I've been in feuds, which I don't want to be, hate it, but I love hearing about them because I don't want them. And also, two women in conflict, great storytelling. This is a feud. It's not about a man. It highlights the complexity of women, their moral compass, how they protect themselves. And I think we, I hope we can talk about them in a way that highlights the realities of having a conflict with someone and upholds them both as women strong and powerful enough to even have a feud. So I think so. That's my I, interest I, in this. I I agree, and I think yes, I I, I echo everything you said from my own personal experience. Yes, have you been in a feud? I've been in a feud. I have been. I've been it's a weird a word to feuds. say. A few feuds. <laughs> a few a few feuds. But my feuds were more. I used to be the girl who had one best friend, like mm -hmm. one, and we would just become super codependent. So yes. that's when 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 those break breakups happen. When that that. Yeah. That codependence then turns into like withholding of love when we break off. Like that's, it's so, so, so rough. It's the most painful thing I feel a woman can experience. I've been in two of those as well of like so codependent marriages that are more yeah. painful than a romantic breakup. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then 
you know, I I have I have mommy issues just as equally as much as my daddy issues. And so it's <laughs> oh, it's great. Fun. Yeah, that's nice a to be balanced. Little. A little bit of both. Um, and so I historically have had trouble with like because my mom was someone who was so she she was the bear in the room. I don't know, so unpredictable. And it, you know, for me, I joke about like it's not really fight or flight. I didn't have that luxury to do either with her. So yeah. sometimes it's freezing. Sometimes it's just assessing how do I uh, get hurt the least, right? And so yes. th- that line, that fear, that- On um, guard, protection, on guard, waiting I for d- someone to get you. Yes, and like distrust was mm-hmm. such a theme, um, certainly into my like 30s. And that finally broke down as I got into like, from my- f- the real work was like my, the, the decade of my 30s to kind of to, 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 to be with, you know, what Kim's talking about here with the self-esteem and with <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> not bringing my shit onto other people and, you know, being vulnerable. Yes. Like learning yeah. to be vulnerable so that I could have intimacy and like not lose myself um, yes. in relationships. I Yeah, I love that. Um and thank you for sharing and being so honest because it's sometimes hard to, no, I'm, it's always hard. It's always hard to be like, yes, I have struggled with X and X. And yeah, me too. I I wish I knew uh, more where my feuds came from. I often feel like I'm in a feud because someone bashes me in the head with an emotional rock and then I turn around and I'm like, I guess we're in a feud. Um, <laughs> like I, I'm like, how did this fucking happen? Um, the, the way you said and, it too is that you're clutching your pearls. <laughs> I, I guess we're in a feud. I guess we're in a feud. <laughs> well, it's true. And it's like, you know, obviously I have to have some part in it, but I, I often, I, then I want to say, uh, then I'll pick up the rock and be like, let's fucking go. So <laughs> I'm not like, uh, yes, yeah. I don't always have my pearls i'll use them as a what is that like a whip i'll I'll use my pearls Mm -hmm. as a whip i don't i don't like to be messed with also when i get attacked i i become a kid again where it's like you just have to survive but in my heart i never i never i'll feud with men all day i don't want to feud with women (laughs) i just don't want it i just don't want it life's too hard for for us all already but i still get them so i love dissecting them yes um so let's talk about their feud timeline please so there's rumors constantly throughout filming that they both bat down. So Sarah Jessica Parker rents a house in the Hamptons that she stays in with Cynthia Nixon and uh, Kristen Davis. And Kim Cattrall doesn't stay in the house. She has her own separate house. And it was kind of put out there of like they rented this house and didn't let her stay. But then reps later said Kim was married at the time and her husband was supposed to live there too. They didn't say he did. They said supposed to. Also a bummer because they're later going to divorce. And then... But also reading Kim's interviews, she would have never lived in that house. Like, it seems like the three of them wanted to live together. Kim was like, stay away from me. But that happened. Then there's pictures at the Emmys where the three of them are at one Emmys table having the best time. And Kim is over on a separate table. And then Kristen Davis will post the Emmys photo of the three of them happy and smiling with Kim nowhere to be seen. Um, Then in response to that photo, Cattrall said in 2004, are we the best of friends? No, we're professional actresses. We have our own separate lives. So this is stoking the rumors. So then um, in the same report, they, they talk about how like they're having trouble getting further seasons and movies. And 
And Park, Sarah Jessica Parker says, honestly, we are all friends and I wish I saw more of Kim. She mentioned money and no one should vilify for her for it. People made a decision that we had vilified her. So it was in the press that she had asked for more money and was demanding as much as Sarah Jessica Parker and they wouldn't give it to her. Therefore, we, the audience, could not have more sex in the city. And Kim would say, like, you're starting the money rumors. And then Sarah Jessica Parker would say, you started the money rumor. And it, and then it became about money. Ooh, that's tough. It's it's really... I know. It's okay, so what, tough. Like, oh, man. Because... And there's more. There's more to the timeline of the feud. Do you want to hear the rest? And then... Okay. Yes, I do. Okay. Yes, I do. So then in 2008, um, Marie Claire asked Kim Cattrall about the movie... Um, about the holdout on making the first movie. And she said, four years ago, I was going through a painful public divorce. The series was coming to an end and my father was diagnosed with dementia. I felt it was time to be with my real family. A year and a half ago, when I was sent the script, I was ready and strong enough to revisit Samantha. In some ways, I'm glad we waited. The script and the experience of making the movie was the best possible reunion. So that's when she finally does the movie. Then it comes down to the third movie which doesn't happen. People write like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to go forward. And they're saying it's because of Kim. And Cattrall goes on Piers Morgan. Why Why are we choosing Piers Morgan? Oh, never choose him. He's We're, not. Come he's, on. He hates women. He hates women. Um, and she says that they have never been friends. And she addressed the rumors that she was asking for too much money and said, this is really where I take to task the people from Sex and the City and specifically Sarah Jessica Parker. I think she could have been nicer. I really think she could have been nicer. I don't know what her issue with me is. So then you're sort of like, oh, was Sarah Jessica Parker a dick? But everyone who's on the show, like the actor who played Samantha Jones' long-term lover, went on in an interview and was like, team Sarah Jessica Parker. Like, oh, Kim was difficult. Sarah, like, Sarah, we're all on Sarah's side. That said, Sarah is your boss. You know what I mean? Sarah Jessica Parker decides she's she's the executive producer. So, I, I you know, tough. And so, at this point, I was like, this feels like this is Kim's doing. And this is what I want to ask you about. I feel like when there is a single odd man out um, of, of a whole group, I tend to side with the group. Because, which is anti um, what maybe you would normally think, but they all have a reason to make it work, money. They're in the press constantly trying to pretend everything is okay. Not yeah. that Kim doesn't have reasons to be upset, but I usually feel like that singular person must be bringing a certain level of toxicity or self-pain to the point where every single person can somewhat get along except for you. But I don't know. That could be wrong. Yeah, and but I do wonder. It's like Kim, you're not gonna make as much as your boss. I don't know how to now. It, it, is it? You, everyone should negotiate. Everybody should negotiate, and I think it's really yeah. tough when the when that that comes to light. Well, and also a woman should always, as a woman, this is my advice: you should always ask for ten times more than your boss makes. Now that'll uh, probably never happen. Still, my advice: you should make more yeah. than your boss. Good for you. Um, <laughs> But, you know, but but to be vilified for, like, she wants too much money, that makes her a diva. Whereas if a dude asked for that much money, it wouldn't yeah, make the press. Yeah, that, that's not great. Like, that, and that feels like a, I do think SJP, like, knew what she was doing when she was, like, seeding that. But I get, I, when you're in a feud, you're in a feud. <laughs> when you're in a feud, you're in a feud. And, yes, that is Kim's thing where Sarah, she, and this is the book I want to read from the, so in the teen girl book, 
Sorry, this is yes. a quote I want to read from the Teen Girl book. She had a thing about bullies. And I, having read everything about the feud, I was like, this is Sarah Jessica Parker. And she's writing this post Sex in the City. The worst kind of bully is what experts identify as the undercover type. First of all, what experts named it undercover type, but whatever. <laughs> That's right. Perhaps you've met one too. Maybe you even thought he or she was your friend. This person is Miss or Mr. Congeniality on the surface, but unfortunately, you know better. Undercover bullies are the most poisonous of all because they are the hardest to spot. And Kim's big thing is that Sarah Jessica Parker is pretending to be nice and she's not. And that seemed to be talking directly to her of like, Sarah's giving a quote in the press of like, you know, Kim, just, you know, she has things that are important to her, so we can't give you guys a third movie. And then everyone in the Sex and the City audience is like, no, Kim, why? That's what Kim's view on this would be, I think. Okay, female friendships and female relationships can be very, very messy. And I think there is, I do believe, and I don't know shit, (laughs) but I would say, I bet there is some truth to that. I think there's 100% truth to, to Kim's, I hate saying difficulty, but here like what what that co-star said about her her yeah her to be a challenging personality on set is that better challenging personalities <laughs> exist they just yeah do. they do they do as my astrologist would say there are different textures and sometimes we rub against textures we don't like oh well, that's some, good some are, some are a little sandier right some are smooth yeah. they're most silky you know but yeah i i, I could love see this that astrologer <laughs> heidi rose robbins uh <laughs> I I can I can I I because you know as with my parents' stories it's like the truth is somewhere in between yes. always absolutely absolutely right um and especially yeah. with things like this I mean I so at this point I was like I feel like I'm Team Sarah Jessica Parker because also when you are a boss you do have to be tough and yep. I will say specifically as a woman in this business the the way up is treacherous the the climb to the top is treacherous you will get knifed as you go and in order to get to the top you often have to become very protective maybe very um on the defensive and then you get to the top and now you're this like very tough woman you know because you've been torn down but then but then you're at the top and now you've lost some of that niceness that maybe you had at the bottom of the summit. Why am I on the mountain metaphor? I'm not sure, <laughs> but I'm really on it. I'm right, I'm right behind you. I'm okay, following good. you up the hill. Cl- climbing the hill. But you yeah. know what I mean though? Where like you start out and it's like, it's all great. Yeah. And then someone does something fucked up to you and then you get your armor up, you know? And now yeah. it's like, how do you keep your sweetness but also run an HBO show that is like one of the most popular at the time? I don't know. Okay, but. You make choices. We make choices. Uh, Now, in defense of Kim, when I was in elementary school, I wrote a play. Now, by wrote, I mean orated over recess. The play was called The Seven Princesses. Yes. (laughs) It's The Seven Princesses, and it was starring me and six other, uh, you know, princesses in my grade. This this little group of girls. How generous of you. Right? Uh, Such a good idea. So we rehearse all, we rehearse the whole um, recess. The next day I show up and they're in the little kind of, I want to call it a vestibule, like an outside kind of like little corner. Um, And my nemesis, Chelsea A, 
And the genesis for this feud is entirely, we had the same name. And one of us was called Chelsea number two, it was me. And she held her throne as Chelsea number one. This is this is the core of our, um, why we hated each other, two Chelsea. And it's only because her last name starts with an A, yours starts with a D, is that? Yeah, well, and at the time I had my stepdad's last name, my last name started with a B. So oh, it was Chelsea cool. A and Chelsea B, it was rough. So, but I had put Chelsea A in my play. So I show up and Chelsea A says to me, we did some rewrites. <laughs> it is no longer called the Seven Princesses. We think it would be better if it was called the Six Princesses. Ah, yeah, yeah. This is play. this is um this is character defining. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is an origin story. <laughs> <laughs> this truly. is the you truly. become the Batman after this. <laughs> You might murder the princesses <laughs> after this. Um, so, yeah, so I was, kick, I was kicked out of the princess play. Um, ah. So I, you know, there's obviously when a whole group gets together, it is like you're going to kick someone out. That's also possible. However, I think it's more elementary. I don't know. To have a group of adults and not one of them has enough of a therapist to be like, don't alienate one 50-year-old woman, please, feels tougher to believe in. Well, it seems like they had it together for some time. And, yeah. you know, I'm so, I'm great. I am great if I'm not hungry, tired, upset, you know, then I'm a monster and I don't have my words. And and it also sounds like Kim had a lot of like things happen that really was like, ah, fuck the artifice. I'm not, I don't want to, be that person anymore and so I'm just gonna burn it all to the ground thing too you know sounds like I mean she's she seems you know even just reading she's a t she she has a teen spirit <laughs> <laughs> much like Nirvana if yeah. I just looking back and looking there is I think there Chelsea I think there is something about like when she 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 makes a point, the bravest thing she's ever done was to go out on her own when she was 16 to New York City. She was just a little hayseed from like it doesn't it, it was backwaters uh backwater Canada, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and there is still that she wants to write this book. There, I think there's this is her and Amber a little bit. Right. Like, yeah, that's, this is maybe she uh, wasn't. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. she's kind of stuck in that moment and her her inner teen child is raw because that's also yeah. I think, when her parents divorce so it's a raw raw moment and it's raw and there's a little bit of calcification around that yeah right a yeah. little bit and so i think you know that's at play here as well and then i yeah that's so right where it's like hitting hitting her child her and inner then child. That that last really like where she big eruption with sarah jessica Par parker is when uh, SJP's uh, offered condol condolences for her brother. Yeah, well, that's, right. that was when I then flipped to Kim's side. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, Kim Cattrall, her, her brother was missing, and then it was found that he had committed suicide. And it was really, really tragic. Kim puts up a post about it, and Sarah Jessica Parker comments on the Instagram post of like sending you and your family love, some, something like that. Then Kim makes her own post. <laughs> it is still up to this day. And the caption is, my mom asked me today, when will that Sarah Jessica Parker, tagged, when will that Sarah Jessica Parker, that hypocrite, leave you alone? 
Your continuous reaching out is a painful reminder of how cruel you really were then and now. Let me make this very clear if I haven't already. You are not my family. You are not my friend. So I am writing to tell you one last time to stop exploiting our tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona. Yikes! So what I will say is that in a moment of intense grief and pain like that, if someone rode up on a horse and was like, you can throw your pain at me, I'm sure I would, you know? So Sarah Jessica Parker enters the scene when Kim is probably looking for a place to put a bunch of pain. That said, never took it down, never took it back. And it did make me wonder, like, why did you comment on her post? You had to have known this person. You weren't welcome in this person's life. Why would you reach out that it, way? Yeah, it just feels very, like, reach out directly. It's so public. Like, it's so, yeah, why didn't you call her? Yeah. And so a, a, a source I found online, uh, an anonymous source close to Sarah Jessica Parker said she did reach out personally to the family. But even so, then why comment? yeah. No, like otherwise, it's comments by celebs. That's a that's a that's a an account that is that that is was that your goal? Like, do, yes. why do you have to? You don't have to and just do that other thing. Yeah, don't and don't and I, don't do the public. Don't do thing. that. Yeah. yeah, and I I just again I'm not Kim, but I really thought to myself like, what would it take for me to do that? And there is there is one evil person in my life that I, if given the chance, would uh, tear to shreds. But Sorry, they, I don't were, mean <laughs> they were evil, like evil, like the devil lives within you evil. Oh, wow. People I had, you know, quote unquote feuds with, if they commented something nice through pain, I would feel comfort from that. I would be like, I'm glad we can put this to rest because, yeah, life is, life is more important than our stupid feud. There, I, mm. I can't imagine, like, what would it take for, for me to be like, fuck you, do not give me your condolences. And that person would have to be really evil in my heart. Well, you know what I mean? Like, what would it take for you to write that of like, don't even send me good wishes, you dumb bitch. <laughs> uh, a woman's fury is um, it is uh, man, it is it it's it, it's fire. It's, um, it's brimstone. <laughs> it's brimstone. It's terrifying. And yet it is so attractive and delicious at the same time. Like <laughs> Right? You yeah, know? we don't see it often. When a woman really unleashes her rage, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it is whoa. <laughs> like, it is so whoa. Yeah, I, I know. It's not, mm, ah, yeah, they shouldn't work together again. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think I that's, fair that's off the table. That's not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know, just, uh, I don't know a lot. I don't know shit, but... <laughs> But I mean, you know, I the thing with Sarah Jessica is that, you know, there's there's um, someone I've only ever been nice to, but I don't think I'm welcome in their life. And I certainly wouldn't ever try to be, you know, and I do have to wonder, like, what just why? 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 That does feel weird. So that's I, where I sort of ended up a little team Kim. However, I fully ended up in the middle. I did. I ended up in the middle. I was like, I bet Kim did some crazy shit. I bet Sarah just did some crazy shit. And mostly, I'm really sad she won't be in the third movie. And so if that's not inspiration to heal something, I mean, it's never going to happen. But I'm sad she won't be in the third movie. But I did just read, thanks to um, Allie Lou, who's who's in the book club. Um, <laughs> in the book club just means you DM me. She DM'd <laughs> me and was like, 
the movie is going to write Kim out a little bit uh, close to real life, which is that the women stopped being friends with her in the movie. I keep saying movie. It was going to be a movie, but now it's going to be a TV reboot on HBO Max. So it's a TV series coming out now, not a movie. Great. And I was like, I would love to see that in the movie. And they said, you know, sometimes you're, friend, you're friends with people in your 30s and you're not in your 50s and that's okay. And that's going to be part of the movie. Great. Yeah, that, that's the way to go. I, I actually that I think that's the way to go. Yeah. And, and that'll be an interesting real story. And as my therapist said, sometimes relationships are better with a little space in between them. So like, it's okay if you don't see someone all the time that you used to. Maybe your relationship's better if you only see them once every three months. And that felt inspiring to me. And also, it's like, it's not that Kim, there, there is something to the fact that Kim doesn't want to do it. You know, it'd be one thing if like she was shunned and but she's like i don't replace me with someone of color like i don't want to do this oh yeah she she totally said that that's tight and um you know that show um if you rewatch it and i have it doesn't hold up it, yeah so yeah there's there's a lot of problematic stuff uh, in it. Um, it really, that too, much like Kim's book, is a moment in time. It is a time capsule. It, it, yeah. So interesting to see what they do with the HBO Max series. Yeah, I'm really excited. But showing, yeah. At the end of the day, when, you know, and I'm sure you've also, we, we're talking about being inside of a feud, but you've been outside of a feud between people you know, right? Yeah, yeah. And generally, it's two people for whatever reason, th- like they're they're they the magnets that once were somehow got polarized, right? And however you feel about it, generally is how you feel about either one of them, not mm, necessarily uh-huh. what's right. Yeah, like the scale of justice. Yeah, so on. So that's interesting, kind of like for us to be looking at it from the viewpoint of like a Cynthia Nixon and a, or they obviously yeah. they sided with. But, you know, outside of the feud, like, yeah, you you see yourself in the feud. But really, when you're outside of it, you're it always sort of looks like someone just put your sword down and it'll be fine. Like one of you just needs to put the sword down and you will heal. And I found in feuds, that's generally what happens to you. If some person is big enough to be like, I'm sorry, let's stop. Usually it stops. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's OK not to be friends. <laughs> and sometimes it's, it's OK not okay. to be friends. That's really, our conclusion. Like I. I wanted to be, oh gosh, of course I, I wanted to be loved by by all. <laughs> by everybody. By all, people who don't even know me, I wanted them to love me. Yes. Uh, it's just a lot, for just, just, just to be that person and to walk in that body all the time, it's a lot of energy. And it's a lot, it's just, it's, it's actually quite excruciating to be that person. And so yes. when you let that go and all that noise and all that worry, it's nice. That's such a great point. And, you know, my my therapist is really coming out in this episode. But, you know, you spoke about your astrologer. So I'm, but she said something to me because, yeah, I'm definitely one of those people where I'm like, I like I would like the person who's never met me to like me. It's like, why? Why? Why, why would that ever matter? You know, um, she said, why? Why do you have to be likable? Because in theory, in your feminist practice, unlikable women um, are a great thing and are complex and it's okay. And not all women have to be likable. And, and by giving into the belief that every woman has to be likable, I'm helping create TV where women have to be likable and can't make big moves and can't stand up for themselves. So like, why not be okay with unlikable women? You can respect them. You can be polite to them, but be okay with unlikable women and starting with yourself. Now, obviously I still want to be liked. However, (laughs) I thought it was a very good point. (laughs) Um, okay. 
Well, also, it's it's the defi- it's the definition of what likable is, right? And that's yeah. the thing that we as whatever oh, yeah. stage feminists we are, Russell, what does it, what, but what, we want to move the needle of what likable means. And yeah. in the past, it was obedience, absurd, you know, it's, you know, hyper Be feminine nice. in a Keep your way. opinions oh, to yourself. Yes. 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 You're right. Yeah. Like, what can it be likable to have a boundary and say, I'm not doing this fucking movie? How, however much you want me to, it's not good for me. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And I like likable. that. I like, I like that. that. Yeah. And if you're Sarah Jessica Parker and you're like, this bitch ruined my franchise, <laughs> um, I'm going to make a quote to the press about how she, her demands were difficult. You know what? I like that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, then, like and, and also like, she's, why did like everyone love the four, but like, I, I I am happy that they're moving on. Me too. You know what I mean? Ooh, like, yeah. why 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 did it have to like? Why couldn't it have gone on before? It totally could have. You know? Yeah. And you know what? Ugh, this is this is this is the real question, Kulap. Are you a Carrie, a Samantha, a Charlotte, or a Miranda? <sighs> there there is something I I don't know. <sighs> See, I think I'm. I think I'm. I probably. I'm a Samantha and and a Carrie. I think you're both. I think I'm both. I'm a Gemini rising. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, I lean towards Samantha, probably. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I am anyone but Carrie. (laughs) That's what I am. (laughs) Why? I want to know why. Um, there is like a, um, like a, oh, fuck, what if I'm Carrie? I was just about to say there's like a giggly, like, and I was like, oh, that's probably is me. (laughs) That's, I agree. I find that character to be very annoying. Unfortunately, I am annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and I don't know, kind of like the the every woman, the like, um, I do everything like nice and interesting and demure. I like to think of myself as someone who says says fucked up things sometimes, takes risks, doesn't do the cute thing with the men. I I wouldn't be with a Mr. Big. I wouldn't be with a, I wouldn't cheat. So that's where I'm like, I am not Carrie and I'm not this like, um, like cookie cutter character. I'm, I'm someone who... Just anything but that. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's also our stage of feminist, too, where it's like, well, all four don't really make sense to me. I'll, I'm ni- none of the four uh, girls and girls either. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Now, that was a tough one because uh, who, is there anyone no. you would aspire? Like, there's, the- no, there's not a lot what? of aspirational traits in any of those characters. <laughs> Honest, um, good, genuine question? Uh, it, I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. Also super white. I, um, that one's also know. a time capsule, you know? But the thing that I'll, I'll say, uh, the thing that I'll say in defense of that is that one, f- fucked up. But two, yeah. there's only one girl show. You know, because Lena's whole thing at the time was like, this is, I'm just writing specifically about my life, whatever. And, you know, she came up in that. Yep, true. But like, we should have 10 girl shows. <laughs> 10 yeah. Girl shows, because now the thing that they're doing, because they don't want to make that mistake, is that they will um, bring in a very diverse group of friends, but then they won't accurately write interracial female friendships or, 
they won't accurately write women because they're trying to like hit boxes. And that feels shitty too, where you're just making nothing TV, you know? So I just wish we could have like 10 shows that all show 10 specific groups of women. And I agree. I'd like that as well. We'll go on the record on that. (laughs) We'll go on the record. Okay, we're going to take a little break. And then it's orgasm time with the sex book. Yay! Sibling fights are unavoidable. But what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Balasai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life. And I can't believe it, but I got to write my own. And it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it, and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir, but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains. But you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role. And we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book. It matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Okay, welcome back. We are going to talk about the sex book, Satisfaction, Written with Kim Cattrall's second husband, Mark Levinson. And before we get into the book, we are, by law, bound to play a clip from Kim and Mark scatting. There's no way to describe this clip. We just have to play it for you and know that um, Mark is on the upright bass and Kim is the poetry lady. I read poetry and sonnets and he plays the upright bass. Well, he bit all the he dogs and winked at all the she dogs. The town never knew such a hullabaloo as that little dog raised till the end of that day. We just have a good rhythm together, you know? He sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. Okay, 
So from that well, clip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so does it knowing you've you've read the book Satisfaction and now everything that's said makes so much sense in, in things that are unsaid. Uh, yes. and I'm not, not just the, the 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 scatting, the the cat calling by Kim Cattrall, but also I, I'm definitely zeroing in on Mark's fingers on that upright base. <laughs> Having read the sex book, you were watching the nimble uh, digits at play. That's right. Yes. You know, my big takeaway is that they are a match. I mean, who the hell? gets out the oboe and the poetry and plays off each other's energy. Them, they're a match. I'm devastated that they divorced. What happened? I didn't know that they divorced till you said this. I Yes. What's really devastating is that their marriage spans the exact um, seasons of Sex and the City. So they get together when Sex and the City begins in 1998, and the marriage ends in 2004 when Sex and the City ends. And Kim gave a quote about it um, that said, Sex and the City cost me my marriage because I was never home. I was never there, and my husband got lonely and upset and competitive. It was really difficult. It was really hard. Oh, Mark, you're lame. I know. The line that stood out to me was, he got competitive, which Ugh, is gross. so disgusting to me. Also, dude, gross. you're not even an actor. Like if he was an actor and he's like, I'm, I want my sex in the city. Okay. He's an audio engineer who had already made a ton of money. Like, why would you need to compete with your actress wife? And how are you competing? What is, in what way? It is so frustrating, the pattern in these memoirs of men who can't take it when the woman is more successful and then the marriage busts up because of it. Um, that's, very tough. Yeah, that that's such a, it's a, such a tired story. Yeah, absolutely. And so in Satisfaction, one of the parts that I found most interesting was nothing about sex. It was their two bios. So at the end of the book, okay, let's go Kim's there. Kim's bio is like all of her, you know, incredible Emmys, HBO, you know, an incredible bio. This is Mark's. Mark was born in Oakland, California. As a child, he played constantly with the family record player and went on to become a professional jazz musician on flugelhorn and double bass. He played with many jazz greats, including, and he lists a whole name of jazz greats. Mark is the founder and CEO of Red Rose Music, an audio icon. He has set standards of excellence in the field since 1971. He assisted Tim and Denise Duffy in founding the Music Maker Relief Foundation, which helps forgotten elderly county blues and folks musicians by offering funding, medical help, musical instruments, and care. Mark provides recording and mastering services to the foundation when needed. This is one of the worst bios I've ever read. I read it and I was like, this has got a lot of filler and it's a lot of filler. He's excessively long. Stretching to make it as long as Kim's. Um... Really doing the work. I When people, this is a little bio hack that I think, tell me if you agree. Oh, can't wait to when hear. When someone's credits are listing uh, other names, uh, it's because they have, like, that's a classic filler. Like, he's great because he once played with this other jazz great I versus see. what's yes. his album what's his concert what's his award what did he create it just says he played with a bunch of famous people but he's not like in bands you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and which is the problem right would you describe the problem <laughs> yeah that's the problem why they broke up because he because he didn't start a band 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first man who should have started a band. He honestly should have read Being a Girl. You need a little more self-esteem, brah. A little more self-esteem. Well, it wasn't written yet. Um, okay. She writes right, it right. past this, but he did need it. Then the other part of the bio I thought was so weird is that he assisted Tim and Denise in founding this. And you're like, so you're not a co-founder. <laughs> You didn't oh, oh, yes. found anything. Assisted. Why did you say assisted? And then it says they pro- he provides recording and mastering services to the foundation when needed. What if also just poorly written? Don't put when needed. It just undermines the whole thing. So you're a sound engineer. <laughs> you're a sound engineer. And at this point, everyone listening to the podcast is like, I thought you were going to talk about orgasms. So <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> We'll get to that. <laughs> um, we'll get to it. So yeah, so th- they're clearly very like, the two people who who scat together definitely write the sex book. Um, like that makes sense. That tracks. I mean, if I was in, I, you know, going back to the feud, if I had an invite to go to this, you know, book launch party, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'd have cause problems between us. <laughs> you just I imagine. <laughs> Like, this is tough. It's tough. And I will say there are some classic memoir mistakes people make about relationships. The number one is writing about a new relationship in your book before and before the book comes out, the relationship's over. So but the the mistake is when you write about the relationship like it's going to be forever and then it's not forever. But books are books are forever. So now that's a forever part of your memoir. So. Um, some really famous comedian memoirs do that. J-Lo does it. Lonnie Anderson does it in her memoir, which we just covered, where she's like, Jeff is the love of my life. No, she's married to someone else now. You know, it's fine. So I think you're. It, it's better to write a love letter to the current relationship, but you don't want to make too many claims <laughs> unless uh, it's hard. But yeah, yeah. As I much mean, as I thought that was the number one mistake, the number number one is writing a sex book <laughs> with your partner. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I'm like, they really, they really love, they love their body jazz like that. Okay, (laughs) body jazz. That should have been the real title. Body Body jazz. jazz. (laughs) I mean, definitely the, the right thing to do is to just know bodies are bodies. You can't hold someone's sexual past against them. However, I'm not cool enough for that. If I was dating someone and they're like me and my ex-wife wrote um, a, a book about incredible oh. sex together, I would for sure at some point read it. And then when we were fucking, I'd be like, you only are angling your dick this way because she liked it. <laughs> oh, I'm like, a monster like that. I I wouldn't. Okay, I would never write this book. Oh, we could Scott. Scott would doubly never write this yeah. book. Scott. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's so private, and this is this is his nightmare. If if I was single and a guy, I just would immediately put him in the friend zone. There just would be no way. No and I would I would constantly like screen grab things send it to him and it would I, I this would be a source of endless and bottomless just ridicule oh, i would ridicule this it person. would be uh yeah and it's like it's not on i i'm like it's you know it's not on you you wrote a beautiful book helping people come better 
Now it'll be my toxic little well to pull from and use in this relationship. Like it's tough. Oh, I mean, the diagrams God. alone of just the little red line uh, of the outline of the dick and where the dick moves, and then all their quotes together. I, I, and you're sort of like, why the softest why? pencil and charcoal illustrations, you guys? Oh my the, God! The and at times I was touch. like. Is this Kim and Mark? Okay, so then they have quotes in it. Here's one. Um, if your man is not an artist yet, he can become one. <laughs> Once he gets it and starts to feel you, be sure to show your appreciation. Kim. One night, Kim said, you're an artist. That was one of the greatest compliments I received in my life. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> that was wild. It that, that was a wild... You guys put that. But then... But then, like, then you see the scatting video and you go, yeah, yeah, it all makes sense. Yeah. Oh, you see. Yeah. And you're like, OK, oh, OK. This really brought you guys a lot of pl of pleasure. <laughs> I can't believe they broke up. Truly. Like, I know. Like I'm so sad. I'm so sad. And I I will say um, the the one nice thing or I don't know, there's maybe there's many nice things in the book, but she really talks about how she'd never enjoyed sex in her life. She gets to 40 and she just thought it was maybe not for her because it was just a man taking control of her. And then later in the book, she said premature ejaculators were the bane of her existence. Yeah. And then and then she meets Mark, her, you know, sexual shaman and learns to enjoy pleasure and wants to pass those gifts on. I kind of came away from this and maybe this is judgmental me. I came away from this being like dudes should definitely read this book. No, I, I appreciate it because this is for dudes to be better. Like, yeah, and hetero dudes to, hetero, to be better. He, yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. Um, and I liked that there was, when I say chapter, I'm being very loose. Um, <laughs> but speaking of how sexual abuse can affect a woman, it's like, I, I, these are good. These are good tips. Very good tips. Yeah, especially a dude who maybe, you know, had ignorance to that and can read this book. Also, there's just a lot of dick angles to hit. And I sort of feel like that's for you to study. Like you study the angle of the dick, but like, I don't know that like, I'm gonna be like, and now 45 degrees, 45 <laughs> degrees. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, let me what, get my compass out. Let me get my, can I get the ruler? Um, were there any sexual things in this book that you thought like, oh, that's interesting, or I gotta try that? I appreciate just the focus on oral pleasure for women and just the just like and that's where we start. We get right into, you know, let's let's just get in the basic position. And yeah, guys, yeah. be careful for that neck. <laughs> like they're very like uh like just you, you gotta know, watch your neck. <laughs> you gotta watch your neck. Save yourself from the trouble of going to the chiropractor all the time. But like we're just getting right into it. We're like circles. Okay. Let's uh Flicks, figure eight. Use your teeth. Up and down. Now I don't want teeth. I'm going to tell oh, you straight. I definitely want teeth. I, you want teeth. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want teeth. I don't want teeth. Yeah, no, I want teeth. Maybe that's um, how I'm built, though. Like, just the... Uh, that's the thing. Everyone is so... Uh, did you watch... Um, I know the answer's no. I'm going to ask it to me. Did you watch the Goop series? The answer is yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Okay, and, I love and, this. And you're talking about the Betty Dotson workshop. Yes. And in that documentary, I recommend everyone watch it. They're like, we're about to show you... A bunch of different vaginas. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, sure you are, Netflix. No, they full screen, uh, um, uh, various spectrum the of The rainbow vagines. of, yes. Now, I consider myself very woke, very feminist. 
I'm a I've seen vaginas and I found myself um shocked at at some of the vaginas that can exist. I've I've been to a Korean spa. I've yes. seen, you know, I but not, you know, really on a big screen TV. I it sounds like I'm bragging and I am. Well, yeah, but, but to get <laughs> You projected it. You went. You like ran it out of movie theater. And you're like, we got to put those vaginas up there again. I'm yeah, keep, I'm keeping AMC in <laughs> AMC proposal video. Everyone, come watch the vaginas. Um, yes, yes, yeah. yeah I, it, 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 I was like, oh wow, and and I, then I was like, yes, there are so many different ones. Yes, and and to bring us back to satisfaction, you know, there's no way all of this works for everybody, you know. But everyone's it, organs are different. That's right. And then they're like, but there's lots of things you can you can try, which I really really appreciate. Like, what yeah. what, are, what are the ones that I? It was definitely easier to understand, not understand, but um, it's like very simply written than other more complicated sex books. Yes, you know, um, the one that I was like, you know what, I do need. I don't. I, I have not tried this is one where you <laughs> yes you're gonna hear this podcast and be like we're doing what um <laughs> where the man is fully laying down and the woman is also like forehead to forehead feet to feet fully laying down on top of him yes that but, one but moving her she she describes the muscles you needed and i was like i don't think i have those but excited to find out it's like some sort of like lower torso abs where then she gyrates but like but you say fully laying down Yes, I, uh, uh, yeah, this guy here. <laughs> yeah, you're, I love that you're holding it up. Wait, hold on. I'm taking a picture of this. <laughs> yep, got it. You mean this one? <laughs> here's, a, here's a tough thing. Do you imagine, like, while you're having sex, kind of like, I'm going to pull my Kindle and try to read okay so we're gonna have to like that is so unsexy right like if, same, if i can't same. really figure out i'm just like okay but then you move like that just sounds I, and i don't great. even want to reading it together kind of take that like i just want some like you can secretly read it i'll secretly read it and then we can just surprise each other with new 90 degree angles you know <laughs> i did i said scott can i send this to you he was like no i'm like all right <laughs> okay, okay, noted, noted. <laughs> and uh, let me be clear. I don't want to try the laying down one because I think it's going to go well. I just think it's, uh, it doesn't make sense to me. So I feel like I should try it. You know, there's things in the comments to intro. I'm just not that flexible, too. There, there's just oh, things yeah. you got to figure. <laughs> I, I mean, there's uh, there's some workouts. <laughs> I think it, they need a workout book first, you know? Um, yes, yeah. I mean... Uh, so I do that part. I do appreciate like how much he fulfills her and like he has they write this together and like they take turns telling <laughs> stories. And uh, you would think that this is something that would last in their I, in their world, not for yes, us, but in but their them. relationship, in their point of views. Yes, I, f I feel I feel heartbroken for them. And I, but, but I will say um, when she writes her third book, that's kind of a follow-up to this. It's like a sex book that goes with the documentary, but it's more like the history of sex. She references satisfaction as my, my best selling book satisfaction that I wrote when she sold her book, he's gone from the narrative. It's not co-written. It's not. Um, oh, wow. But you know, maybe that's just the smart thing to do, but I don't know, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, okay, so I feel like yeah. we should read 
unless you have any other butthole emojis to talk about, Kulab did send me the the guide of like the little symbols and what they mean. And the a little sunshine was there for, for butthole. So now I'm going to text you a little sunshine every now and then, and you'll know that I'm just sending love to your butt. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. And, you know, black hole sun. Black hole sun. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read the very last paragraph of the teen book because oh. the sex book is, uh, it, it ends with their bios. I'm going to read the teen book. Yeah, everyone gets what the sex book is, right? It's you guys get it's the like sex how, book, right? Yeah, it's a how-to and, you know, <laughs> there's diagrams. It's, it's good. And... If you want to learn some stuff, definitely pick it up, you know? It's, yeah. It's a simple, I don't know, mail it to some exes who are particularly terrible. That feels like what you should do with this book. Oh, man, that's rough. Like but, to you know, give, give a leg to, up to the future lady. Oh, my God. That is that is a move. Well, don't give say them... it's from you. Anonymous. Oh, but cool then... Up. How would you, but that, that's the knife though. Like this is, I'm thinking of you, here's the book, Satisfaction for the next one. Okay, well, or what if you send it with like, um, thinking of you and you're just saying, you're, you're making him think he has a secret admirer, but you're also getting him to read a bunch of sex stuff. It's really a gift to whoever he dates next. <laughs> this is the charity that I we see, do. I see, You're <laughs> See, for me, it was not being nice. You're actually being nice. And you're doing it for womankind. Well, I'm being nice to the woman. I'm definitely yes, not being nice to the That's right. Dude. That's right. <laughs> okay, so I'm actually going to read the last page of the How to Be a Girl book, the teenager book. Because um, the last page of the sex book is just photos. So I'm going to read this teenager book. Okay, last paragraph. I've shared with you some of the events and experiences that have influenced and inspired me over the years. I hope they have been of some use. I didn't grow up by myself. I had a lot of help and it didn't happen overnight. I've had tremendous support and guidance over the years and continue to receive that from people close to me. I feel very lucky that I've survived the odds and still love what I choose to do with my life. Yeah, I have regrets that I didn't have the time to do it all, but that's part of growing up too, accepting what is and enjoying what you did get to have and accomplish. It's a terrific ride, especially when you keep your eyes open. Much love and support. I like it. <sighs> I, I, like, I, 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 I like, there's something, I, she's got a, she, you know, we're all, we contain multitudes. We contain multitudes. I do. I really love Kim. And she was, um, she was one of the best parts of Sex in the City. It's hard to imagine it without her. But like, yeah, I think I, I, I love her. And I'm glad that, I hope some teens in 2006 were really helped. I hope so too. She has great advice. There is some really, just even about dating. And I, I, I see she's very human to me through this in in Mm -hmm. that in her vanity in her you know but i do i do see i i feel her heart in this and she really she really i think she really wants to help and she's an imperfect person doing her best i i totally agree and one thing i'll say is that she spoke about sex in the city being the reason she didn't have kids because scheduling wise she didn't want to have kids while working 19 hour days. And she said, but I've chosen to write this book to teen girls and I give back as like an aunt and things like that. So I think this was sort of her, um, her like giving back to young women. And maybe that teen girl that she was long ago. (laughs) She told her teen self some great makeup tips. (laughs) 
Yes, yes. And you know, we end every podcast um, on a thank you to Kim, which I feel like we just did. But I will also thank Kim for one more thing, which is um, going topless in Sex in the City. Not all the actresses did. I, still makes you wonder, like, why was full nudity in her contract and not others? That is a question I have. However, she gave it to us and she gave us like a woman loving to fuck on screen for six That's years. Right. And that changed culture. So thank you, Kim. Thank you, Kim. You're a fine actress. I respect you. Gulab, tell us where people can find the podcast and where they can find you online. You can find Add to Cart wherever you get your fine podcasts is the one that you're listening to right now. Um, and follow us at, at Add to Cart Pod on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me at, at CoolUp on Twitter and at I am cool Up on Instagram. Ooh, I love it. Thank you so much for being a guest. This was so fun. My absolute pleasure to 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 just really to take in uh, two two important volumes. <laughs> Two important literary <laughs> volumes. And I will be posting the visual story that goes with Kim Cattrall with lots of Sex in the City pictures. And, you know, I don't know if I can post the sex book photos without getting kicked off Instagram, but I'm going to try. So I'll see you there. <laughs> Use that, that uh, sun emoji a lot and you'll be fine. That's all for this week's episode. It was so fun discussing um, a book that wasn't a normal memoir. Um, and you know what? I forgot to include a part I really loved. Kim described how um, happiness isn't all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> she was like, you always want to be happy, but it's not that great being happy. And she said, um, a lot can come from sadness. A lot of art, a lot of personal change, a lot of introspection. And that just feels really apt for this moment uh, in pandemic we are in. So a lot of good can come from sadness. That's, that's what I want to leave you with. And if you want to check out the visual story that goes with this episode, I will be putting it up on my Instagram as always at Chelsea Devantes. It's always saved in a highlight so you can go and view it uh, no matter when you listen to the episode. If you want even more Celebrity Book Club in your life, you can come join us over in the Facebook group, Celebrity Book Club Podcast. It's my favorite spot. People share articles and comments and we just get into it all even deeper. I could not do this podcast without our amazing production team here at Stitcher. Executive producer Daisy Rosario, producer Brandon Nix, and associate producer Corinne Wallace. If you want to listen to ad-free episodes of Celebrity Book Club, you can only do that on Stitcher Premium. So go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code BOOKS and you will get 30 days free of Stitcher Premium. And as always, thank you so much for leaving nice reviews. Um, they mean a lot to me and thank you for leaving um, five stars, all the stars, whatever app you're on, thank you for the stars. You guys, I'm out of wine. <laughs> I, I place these orders and then, you know, I every week I'm out. <laughs> that, that describes the book club for me. Okay, I'll see you next week. <laughs>